So that is raining the power back within you and standing in your own I am power. And as you said, getting rid of the conditioning, the programming, you know, the grind and understanding yourself, understanding why you reacted that way and just healing from that. I mean, there is such beauty in healing. Yes. And sometimes I understand it's not easy, but it's so worth the journey. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over, but let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest today is Brigitte Visser. Brigitte recently released her book, Becoming Authentically Me. This conversation touches on Brigitte's book and also takes a winding route from the freedom of childhood through the stories we tell ourselves as adults adulting in an adulty world. If you love conversations rich with truth, reflection, connection, and transformation, this episode is for you. And it's all right here, right now, in the Trauma Hiders Club. Brigitte, I'm so glad you're here. This is so great. Yeah, Karen, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is wonderful. Um, I remember in our initial conversation, I had first checked out your profile and website and I think it was a website, maybe it was a book um, or all of those things. And I thought to myself initially, and not because of not because of anything that you put out there, but I had created this bias that said, oh, here's women's empowerment. Does that have a place in the way I define it? And I will say, I have some shit around women's empowerment stuff. Not that I believe women should be weak um, <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I think like women's empowerment as a subject triggers or lights up, I shouldn't say triggers, lights up all sorts of shit for me. But anyway, I had made this decision. I was like, oh, is, is this going to be one of those conversations? And then you and I got to know each other. And I was like, okay, Karen, you got to let go of your biases uh, and let people be who they are, which is sort of my life lesson. Um, and I, one, connected with you, a beautiful human, to someone who has such wisdom, self-awareness, has done the work, even if you hadn't, the the insights that you have and the, the life experience that you have really 
made me want to bring you here. And I know that listeners will have a connection to you, to your heart, to your outlook, to all of it. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah. I love the fact that you you said, you know, you had a bias and then you put it aside because it was your ego. I love I love I love yeah. that. I love that because you just open, you're just like, you know what? I'm not gonna judge, I'm just gonna listen. And that's the way it should be, right? Because we should just be in acceptance of one another, regardless of our belief systems and regardless of what we may believe. You know, because everyone teaches us something. That's why I always say, you know, we're beautiful reflections of one another. We're actually teachers of one another, walking each other home, you know, back home to ourselves. Yes, we go through shit in life, but it's not to keep us in that shit, you know, keep mauling around, so to speak, but really to elevate ourselves out of it and to heal ourselves and clean ourselves, you know, cleanse ourselves, if you want to call it that, and move forward, you know, and, and healing our experiences. Really, really important. Yeah. If only we didn't have to, right, though? Wouldn't that be oh, so convenient? What, we didn't. <laughs> what, would, what would, I wouldn't have the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. It would be called like, yeah, podcast. <laughs> I don't even know. It would just be called, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. No. I have a lot to talk about. I have much to talk about. Yeah. Or you could call it enlightening the enlightened. Oh, enlightening the enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just for one second talk about, I feel like I need a disclaimer about my bias about women's empowerment. So I hear, and this has nothing to do with you. I'm just going to put this Mm -hmm. out there to clear it. I often hear like, we need to empower women. I often hear it come from men, by the way. We need to empower women. We need, and as women, we need to step into our power. And those are, for me, first of all, we need to empower women is the least empowering statement there is because there's a permission giving, there's a granting there where I'm like, the, the, my brain does not compute what the fuck that even means. We need to empower women. Um, number two, the, step into your power. It is my belief that we are always in our power. It's not like a costume that's over there. We're always in it. We just, just, I say as if it's so simple, need to brush off the shit, the layers of shit that are in the way of us either seeing the bright light of our power or even being able to touch or feel it. There's too much in the way. It's always there. There's no stepping into. And I I mm-hmm. like when I hear it from either like in a in a some sort of leadershipy type speech or my clients say it all the time. Like I yes, I want to step into my power. And in my mind, I'm like, no, like stop stepping into your power. It's fucking there. So those are my that's my little soapbox for this morning. It's my show. I get to say whatever I want. So, Absolutely. Let's talk about you. Or maybe we should just keep talking about me. So, Brigida, I know a lot about you having done a bit of research, having talked to you. So I'm going to hold off on some of the surprises. But who were you when you were, I'm going to go to like four years old. And the reason why I'm going to choose four is because there aren't any rules around being, you know, there aren't any like, you have to study this way, or you have to be in class at this time, or you have to have your hands folded on the desk and your mouth shut and your hand up or whatever. Who were you when you were four and there were no rules? 
well, my parents had rules, but I was carefree. I didn't go to school. So. Yeah. But life was so different back Where in the 70s. Where were 17. you? Uh, I was in between Baikonissa and Middleburg, which means gobbledygook to you, but it's uh, these are two places in Holland. Uh, one is near Rotterdam and the other one's all the way in the south. Uh, and life was so different. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I just remember, even at that age, playing with, with dolls or, um, you know, starting to read books. My mom and dad were very progressive when it came to reading. Uh, and the same for my sister. You just remind me, I, I remember having a white, like, raincoat. And I had very long hair and um, a pony. Bangs? Uh, or trimmed bangs, exactly. Uh, bangs. And um, I was just, my teeth were still all wonky. Mm-hmm. I was growing milk teeth and um life was so simple back yeah. then because you still have that innocence yeah. you're not conformed you're not molded by society yet you know right um and like i said except you know by, by your parents who teach you right from wrong um and you know at that back then we listened to our parents oh my gosh god forbid if you did something wrong well there's the corner so you so you, know? you so you were carefree yes you yeah there was there was a framework. Your parents were progressive, but there were still rules. It wasn't like a free yes. for all. Yeah. No. But I'm glad there were rules in place. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise I would have turned out an even w- worse kind of disaster. Yeah, for sure. Tell us, what did you love to do when you were four? Riding bicycle, playing with my Barbie dolls, playing outside. I remember, but I was that's that's lie. I was probably a year older, playing marbles. Mm. Playing marbles. And playing with the kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, uh, reading, listening to music. I had a record player. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what was playing on it? What played over and over? Do you remember? Well, I had several, but the one song that always I've always loved, but I think that came out later, was um, somehow I've, I'll find my way home mm. from John... Evangelist, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I know that, but I'll listen. Okay. It was, it, and it's so profound. What was it? I mean, you asked me where to begin. Am I so lost in my sin? I cannot sing for the life of me. <laughs> but it's really about if my spirit is lost, somehow I'll blah, 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 whatever. I'll find my way home. Mm. And because, and it's very, I mean, even to this day, sometimes I'll still listen to it. And I thought to my, and I think to myself, wow, you know, even if your spirit is lost, whatever you go through, somehow you'll find your way home. Mm-hmm. Yes. That leads me to, I don't want to ask this question yet, but I'm going to write it down. Okay. All right. I'm writing this question down about that. I'm going to ask you one more question because it leads into um, a lot about you. When when you were young and yes. Someone asked you what you want to be when you grow up. Do you remember what your response was? Yes, I do. I do. Yes. I always said I wanted to be famous. Oh. Yes, I wanted to be a famous model when I was a lot younger. Oh, you wanted to be a famous model. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We all have these things, right? These crazy yeah. things. Um, and then on the, other, on the other spectrum, I was like, well, I wouldn't mind retreating and being a nun. Oh, okay. So, Wow. Talk about the, you're so right, the other side of <laughs> the pendulum swinging. I want to be a model or a nun. Wow. 
So you, when you were a little kid, what was it about a nun? I think it was more the, um, the quiet. I don't yeah. know, just the quiet and, you know, retreating within yourself. Mm. But yeah, for a long time, it was, it was those two. Hmm. But everybody wants to be famous when they're young, right? I think so. I don't know. I did. I don't know. I, you know, that would be an interesting thing to find out. Like, is it something about us or is it society or is it everybody wants it? I mean, maybe everybody doesn't want it. I don't know. Maybe we are. There's something in us that wanted that. I not only did I want it, I expected it. <laughs> I I was so sure I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. I had no doubt that that would happen thank one the day. Heavens, thank the heavens it, it didn't because, right. I mean, if you look at the whole celebrity culture, I don't believe in it. I think it's yeah. a label. And look how superficial they are. I mean, yeah. what have they got? Are they any richer for it? Yeah, maybe in the material. Yeah. But that's it, isn't it? I, I don't right. understand the whole thing. I don't understand the whole celebrity culture that is pushed onto us and... Everything that they say, they do, you know, we have to live a certain way. We have to act a certain way. You know, why don't you look up to this and this person? We have to. I think it's all garbage. Yeah, we have to use certain products. I, yep. I and maybe this is the uh, trauma hider in me, maybe who is hopeful. And the hopeful person in me says, okay, the commercial part of celebrity, of being a celebrity. There's someone behind that selling us a particular point of view. But at the end of the day, the human behind the celebrity does get to go deep and does get to be reflective and does get to make a difference and does get to be normal. We're sold the stuff that that uh, an image, an image that will that we can spend money on, right, that we're going to mm -hmm. buy. So I'm always curious about like when we see the whole celebrity culture and we're like, ah, fuck that person or, you know, the Kardashian. I don't really know much about the Kardashians other than there are a lot of them. And I imagine there's a lot of like eyebrow conversation um, secret about me. I'm always like waxing people's eyebrows in my head. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to wax an eyebrow, but I'm always like just over here. We could just take a little bit off. Uh and so I just, that's, that's my, that's so insane. I can't believe I just said that. That's how I imagine like conversations with the Kardashians are really about, I think it's time for the waxer to come in. And that probably comes in. That's probably a daily conversation because they need a lot of wax there, but like we're sold all the drama and maybe it's more than that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay enough attention. No, I don't have a TV. I don't follow all these, mm -hmm. these series and everything. And I think TV is all about programming. I mean, it's, it says it in the wording itself. I mean, yeah. I tell a vision. It tells you a vision. Yeah. It programs you. It conditions you to believe certain things. And yeah. it's just trash TV. I mean, like I said, I don't have a TV and it's mm. brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I really love it. I Good don't care you. what goes on in the world because the whole media conglomerate is just a lot of BS being fed to mm -hmm. people. Whether you choose to believe it or not, that's entirely up to you. It doesn't matter. But we live in such an artificial created grid, as I always say. 
You can call it the matrix, whatever you like. But as I always say, terra means earth. So Mm -hmm. we live in a terrarium. Yes. You know, we're all these little, little ant workers, so to speak, right? These humans plonked into a glass box governed by those in power, which is utter tosh. But Mm. yes, I mean, it, it all, it all depends on how you view the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So we could keep going there. And I'm going to go back to my line of questioning. So at four, you're either going to be a famous model or a nun. And here's what I know about you. I'm just going to share with listeners. I'm going to tell you a bit about Brigida. She has moved more times than her age. She has been a model, a bartender, a promo girl, a dog walker, a healer, a web designer. She created her own organic soap line. She's designed jewelry and she holds a very demanding corporate job. So somewhere, so the model thing we can check off because you did it. (laughs) You did that thing. The famous model. I don't know. Were you famous? No, 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 no. With the stuff that I got. Oh my goodness, I couldn't even sustain myself. If I tried to live off the modeling alone, you would have found me living under a bridge. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, people think that it's all this glitz and glamour and it's not. It's just a blimmin' kettle market. That's what it is. Especially in the 90s where you had to go to castings and you took your portfolio because mm. everything's done online now. I need to stand there in the queue for like two hours and they'd come to me and it was like, Okay, they went through my pictures, my portfolio, politely took my set card, my comp card, and were like, nah. And that was very, sometimes very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Because if I was like, well, why are other people, why are other models, other girls getting jobs? And why, what's wrong with me? Mm. It's mm. in ways a little bit soul destroying. Yeah. Um, but looking back now i'm glad i didn't make it i mean there's a lot of us there's a lot of rivalry going on a lot of clashing of the egos like i'm better looking than you and Mm. a a lot of drugs as well Mm -hmm. and it's it just wasn't for me i was too naive i wasn't as thick-skinned i didn't sleep around yes i did get assaulted by a hairdresser Mm. in new york Mm. Uh, and that was really tough for me because I was also abused when I was a kid. Mm. So, and it was, I, I just didn't know what to do. And I bottled it up. I bottled so many things up over the years until mm. I finally healed years later. But it's not all glitz and glam. No, yeah. it really, really isn't. And I'm glad that I just did a few jobs here and there. And many agencies that I went to rejected me. They're like, no, we don't like your look. Or you look like Linda Evangelista or Brooke Shields or You do. Um, or, yeah. or or Nikki Nikki Taylor. No, Nikki, was it Nikki Taylor? Yeah. Yes. Yes. All of those. Yeah. And so they yeah, I can understand, you know, when you're young and as you just mentioned, like you you experienced abuse as a kid, even before the hairdresser assaulted you. So ha- having experienced abuse as a kid, there's already You've already got the stories about being damaged or broken or whatever whatever you called it. And so how great for these modeling companies, for these advertisers or whomever, these agents to confirm how broken you are. We don't want you. Oh, I mean, it's a perfect storm. It's a trap. Yeah. 
I was too old. At 24, 25, I was mm. too old. So crazy. So tell us, how do you take all of this life experience and apply it to who you be today? Oh, it was a lot. Oh, my goodness. So my life experiences, well, I had to go through a lot of trauma. I mean, my dad died when I was 14, and I was already starving myself, throwing away my food. Mm. Um, not at the dinner table. I ate it. I ate it very nicely. I ate everything for my plate. Uh, but I was also bullied in high school. So you carry that with you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I landed in dysfunctional relationships, because I didn't heal myself. That's okay. You know, I had to learn it. That, oh, I, it. It was really taking one step forward, sometimes and two steps back. Sure. But yeah, so I went the holistic route. But now, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm okay. For some people, it's counseling. I mean, now I do. I do meditate every single day because that clears my head. Mm -hmm. And it's for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and and that's enough. Yeah. And I, I mean, I did, I'll be honest with you. I went to see a counselor, but the counselor just said to me, Brigitte, you're fine. Um, you know, you're strong enough. That doesn't help you mm -hmm. because I, there was a time back in 2009 where I tried to take my own life with mm -hmm. a whole box of ibuprofen. I'm very lame, but, uh, that was after Holland because my ex was involved with the crypt. And I had my life threatened, but I saved his life in the end. And um, he's actually doing really well for himself now. Wow. So it was something that I had to go through um, in order to heal because there was so much that I carried within me. And this was actually where I look back at it, it was a beautiful experience for both of us. It was a beautiful experience. Well, yes, it was traumatic, but in hindsight, it's a beautiful experience. Because I ended up growing and evolving and wanting to understand more how to heal myself. And whether you go see a counselor or take any other route, I went the Reiki healing route. And that's how I um, evolved. And I studied many other healing modalities, including the emotional freedom technique, um, you know, aromatherapy, relaxation therapy, became a meditation teacher. So, but that wasn't the only experience. I mean, I had plenty of other rotten experiences because you never stop learning. Right. But it's how you learn to cope with your experiences. And when something else happens, it's you become more aware and you understand it. It's not like you're going to stay roaming in that, you know, in that, in that same crap uh, for years. But you get out of it and you're like, you know what, actually, I understand. But it's also about learning to forgive yourself mm -hmm. and merely understanding that other people may not be as aware. Yes, it may not be your fault what happened, but you still need to take that accountability for your own life. You know, why do you rub the joy out of yourself? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to stay in that victim mentality, in that victimhood? Really, are you, is it, is the other person, that's where we talk about that power, where we give our power mm -hmm. away. And that's the difference. We have disempowered yes. ourselves. Yes. Because we allow the other person through the experiences thrust upon us, you know, to play Dulali with ourselves. So that is reigning the power back within you and standing in your own I am power. And as you said, which is very, very true, it's getting rid of the shit, getting rid of the conditioning, the programming, you know, the grime. 
and understanding yourself, understanding why you reacted that way and just healing from that. Mm. I mean, there is such beauty in healing. Yes. And sometimes I understand it's not easy, but it's so worth the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It is so worth the journey. I want to go back to something that you said that you had to go through it. None of us should have to go through being threatened and nearly taking our own lives, you included. Mm. And I'm with you on post-traumatic growth, right? Like the growth that happens when once you can somewhat move away from that too much, too soon, just too fast, right? All that trauma. Um, There's incredible depth and joy and liberation and freedom and all of it, surrender mostly, in post-traumatic growth. But I'm here to say, I'm sorry you went through it. You shouldn't have to. I believe that you are someone similar to me who seeks growth opportunities and learning. We don't have to look for our lives being threatened or coming to... Yeah. 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 Yes, there is a lot to be said for post-traumatic growth and not, as we both know, we're not always ready for that point, right? Like when we're still in it, um, right? So all of this takes time. All of it takes time. Yeah. And my hope for myself, for you, for all of our listeners is that we don't quote unquote run out of time to take the opportunity to just move a little bit away and see and get back to get back home as that song said get back home to ourselves yeah so so important right um and we never stop learning right we never stop learning we really really don't but every time something traumatic happens it's an opportunity to reevaluate ourselves and to ask ourselves does this serve us do we need to stay in this pain Can we move forward from this pain? And we can, we can. But I will will say this, and I say this very, very often, Karen, there is no right or wrong in how we decide to experience our lives. Yeah. There isn't. Um, And people can judge you. People can say very hurtful things. and, And that is, that is just society. And I always say, no matter what people say to you, even if it's very, very hurtful, remember this. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about them and how they feel about themselves. And they feel the need to hurt you because they can't get rid of that pain themselves. So what happens is they inflict that pain on others. And so, yes. you know, the cycle continues. But as I said, we're all reflections of one another. And so whatever needs to be healed will surface it's asking to be healed. And that's why it's so important to always reevaluate your life mm-hmm. and ask yourself, how can I really get rid of this pain? Do I want to get better? Do I want to stay where I am? Yeah. Yeah. And all of these things are a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What, along the lines of what asks itself, to be healed. Is there some, is there something that you are currently healing in yourself? 
Yes. Do you want to share or not? Yes, I'll share. Well, you know what it is. I mean, this year, 2023, I thought, oh my God, it's going to be the bomb. It's going to be heaven. Well, it went shit. It went sideways. It really did. I mean, last year, my book was, of course, published in September 2022. And it was that year that, that, those last couple of months were great. And I thought that would continue, that momentum would continue. But then I got promoted at work as well. And I took on the job with an extra role to what I'm currently doing. Mm. So it was, yes, I had a salary increase. Wow, great, you think? Well, not really, because <laughs> the prices here quadrupled. And I'm making crazy hours. That is a choice. And I totally understand it. Now, I can huff and puff the big bad wolf, which I kind of did, and it got me into this this frustration and this anxiety. And then I dialed it back and I thought, you know what, Brigitte, stop doing that. Stop falling back into that same old programming. What the hell are you doing? And then I decided, you know what, this is not the life for me. Sometimes, as I said before, we get these experiences and it's not to taunt us, but to make us realize that sometimes there is more to life. And I thought, yeah, this is not the way forward. And I've always wanted to go to Spain. And I thought, what? Doing that. So I put all the things in motion, applied for the national insurance uh, number for Spain. So once I have that, I can open up a bank account, look for a rental property, boom, and I'm gone. Because I know that my spirit longs for a change. Mm. And you can say, well, is the grass greener on the other side? Does it really matter where you go? That is only if you do not heal yourself. If you don't heal yourself, you can go wherever you want in the world, but your problems will follow you because it's requesting to be healed. And so I know for me, this is what my spirit needs. And I know in the next couple of months that I'll be gone. So I keep working. On top of that, I mean, yes, I'm a healer as well. Well, I'm just a tool in the toolbox, as I always say. You know, ultimately, in the end, if someone wants to be healed, they'll initially initiate that healing. And I'm just a tool. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be doing. I want to follow my passions. I need to finish writing my second book. So I'll dial back on the corporate life. And if I need to find another job, that's okay, too. Life is really about what you make it. We often forget, Karen, and you know, we're divine alchemists, as I call it. Mm-hmm. We are here to learn how to manipulate the energy and to create it to our will because what we think we create. That's how powerful we are. That's but right. oof, we just don't even remember that. So true. That is so true. So when you get to Spain. Yes. Will your corporate job come with you? I can be a digital nomad. Yes. Yes. Okay. So initially, yes. And ultimately, yeah. So, but ultimately the goal is move that aside, move away from that and full-time healer, full-time, well, healer, writer, uh, seeker, joy-filled Lover of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why should I be a slave to the system? Because that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. How many of your listeners Mm. work maybe 60 hours plus? Sometimes it's 70 hours for me a week. That's insanity. 
that is not living your life. That's allowing yourself to be lived. And before you know it, uh, you know, life is over. And I will be honest. I mean, a friend of mine, um, I hadn't spoken to her for a while, but I've known her for like 20 years. She passed away of a stroke on Monday night mm, and everything. So it just put stuff. Yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah. I know she's in a better place, um, but it was pretty just sudden. She had health issues, but it was still mm. sudden. And she was only in her, in her mid-60s, very young. And it just put everything into perspective again. It's like, Karen, when we cross over, when we die, what do we take with us? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Except the memories and the experiences that we have garnered. That's it. The material doesn't matter. Right. But so many people cling on to that. Is it really that important? No. I mean, I I don't have a lot. I'm pretty basic, but I've been throwing so much out, everything to charity. Because I'm thinking the lighter I travel, the easier it is. And the lighter your house is, mm-hmm. the less you have, the better you can breathe and the clearer your mind. So true. That is so true. Yeah. Right. I I was recently having this conversation about living living a full life Mm -hmm. and what was in the way of that while on earth that, you know, when you, whatever the pearly gates are in your mind, when you get there, no one is going to say, did you, did you work 60 hours a week? Did you, did you get a mid-year evaluation that, (laughs) that was 4.2 stars out of five yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Did you get that? Did you have to wait three years for that promotion? Like, I don't imagine any of that stuff matters at all. No. It's, nope. Did you live a full life? Did you love fiercely? Right. Did you, what brought you joy? Yeah. Uh, um, so important. So yeah, important. So important. Yeah. I imagine that's what it's like. Uh, you know, I lost my mom recently and mm-hmm. I often have imagined like, I don't know where she went. I'm just going to say she went to heaven. There are times when she may have visited some other places. But um, (laughs) uh, when I think about my mother's life, I think about that there was unspoken resentment, although it looked really good. I mean, she made it look really good. In her 50s, she had sort of like the dream, like multiple houses, traveled the world, had great experiences, did lots of like really cool independent travel, nature-based travel. But I still, there's this underlying resentment that that that's the part that perhaps is mine to heal here on earth. And yeah. And so part of that for me is, is to one, ask for what I want, to say what I need. And mm-hmm. in the spirit of my mother to be very clear about what comes in and what stays out in my life. Yeah. That's recently come to me as I've thought about her life. And sometimes it's good to journal that, you know, just write it away from yourself. And the other thing that that's really nice to do is either you turn that piece of paper and make it into a boat and let it float down downstream Mm -hmm. on a river or you burn it and it goes up to the heavens. 
And that is such a release. These are very simple things. And people will say, yeah, but does it really work? Yes, it does, because it's a release of that energy. And it's so important. These are such simple things, because healing doesn't have to be difficult. Right. It's just sitting there. You know, you have to do the work. It's very important you do the work. That's right. Right. And some people, you know, I, I can tell you in my own experience that when I thought about, so I, having been to many therapists when I was young and having terrible, mm-hmm. terrible experiences, but then older, like actually making it sort of my grown ass woman quest to uncouple myself from my childhood sexual abuser, I was under the impression that there was something out there wherever the there was, that I didn't know. I didn't know how to do the work. And yet, um, I mean, there are lots of lots of different modalities in my deep trauma therapy that I went through that I would not have known. The truth of it is, though, they're all based in everything that's available to all of us. We just don't know how to play with it. And also to do it in isolation, for me, at least, for one, I like I I don't think I, I would have cleared anything. Um, mm-hmm. It was very, it was scary to imagine that I would revisit in order to, cle- to cleanse that energy and process trauma. And so my I was stuck on fear. Like, what if on the other side of that, I'm a completely different person and, oh, right, um, I get to confirm that I am unlovable and unworthy and unwanted because now I'm, in addition to all of that, now I'm even unrecognizable. So in saying that, there are such simple everyday things we can do that Mm -hmm. help us release the energy that has a hold on us. Yeah, but you talk about the fear. Yeah. Oh, that is something. Fear is something, well, I talk about this a lot as well. Fear is the better blocker within our minds. We've created that because of our experiences. And we've got this little, I love quantum physics, by the way, but um, I'm not sure if you've seen What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh, It's with Dr. Joe Dispenza and some others, but they really talk about the little hypothalamus in your brain, this little mini factory, and it processes all the experiences and all the conditioning. So if you've had a bad relationship or you've been abused or you've gone through any other kind of trauma or you meet a person, another person is like, whoa, all the defense mechanisms go up because this little hypothalamus ooh, is like, oh, no, I associate this with this and this experience. Boof, you know, you become spiky the hedgehog in whatever situation because you haven't healed that because of the fear, mm-hmm. the fear that that that's blocked everything in, in mm. your mind and allowing yourself not to be the beautiful, wholesome person that you are. And, you know, you're worthy of being that. Right. I mean, I was riddled with many insecurities and anxiety. I mean, you could even say that I was borderline depressed many a time, but I never, I controlled my emotions because I was a workaholic. Oh, wait, I still am. But <laughs> I know I know that now, so I understand it, but I used to starve myself for many, many years because that was something that I could control. Sure. And people would say, oh, you're really skinny. Yeah, and I'd say, that's my metabolism. Mm. Mm. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. The uh, 
That's a great trauma hider line. That's my metabolism. It is. <laughs> <laughs> right? And also, right, that need for control. I Yeah, I yes. get that. Absolutely. So tell us, you're working, the, what's the title of your first book? Becoming Authentically Me. And you said you're working on a second book. Yes, I am. It's called, it's called Child of the Sun, En Route to Enlightenment in India. Because I spent two weeks, three weeks in Bangalore at the Art of Living Center back in 2008. And I infuse it with things that are happening now as well. But in that book, I channel many of the Indian deities about life and how to overcome certain things. That's also in my first book um, about overcoming the trauma that, you know, that you may be stuck in and how to rid yourself of the programming uh, with very simple exercises as well. And plus that, Karen, I always say, don't think that I'm all-knowing because I'm still learning and I'm just a piece of the puzzle. If it resonates with you, great. And if you think, no, it doesn't, that's okay too. Yeah. I wouldn't love you any less. Right. Yeah. I, I, I hear you, right? Like the things we say, the things we write, the things we put out into the universe, this isn't the two of us, right? We are not schools. We're not institutions. This is life experience, baby. And take it or leave it (laughs) because this is a lived life, right? We're not saying you will get a credential at the end of what we're talking about or writing about or suggesting. Uh, If it works for you, that's fabulous. And if it doesn't, that's fabulous too. Keep keep going. Yeah. I hear you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What has been most helpful for you today being in the Trauma Hiders Club? I mean, a lot. I hope that people find it helpful. And I think with your show, every, you know, every show is different. But I hope it helps people to move forward and find that little bit of love within themselves as well. You know, returning to that joyous nature. Because mm. life is about living, not allowing ourselves to be lived, as I said earlier. And just do what you love. And I think that's very, very important. Do what you love, but also return to a love for yourself mm-hmm. and for others. And as we also spoke about forgiveness, it's about forgiving yourself. Yeah. yeah. And just understanding why another person would have, you know, did what they did in their level of consciousness. But we often forget. There's one thing that I forgot to say, by the way. Some people... Some people go through certain things and they pushed, I did say that they pushed that pain onto others because they experienced that same kind of pain Mm -hmm. and they walk around with this trauma and they traumatize other people. Absolutely. But I I, I just hope the show has been enlightening for others. I think we've had a, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. I'll I'll just share to answer the question because you didn't. Um, (laughs) Did I? <laughs> so I, I asked, cut it then. So no, no, no. It's great. So I asked, what's been most helpful for you? And you you actually did somewhat answer it. When we were talking about when you were four, oh, yes. you oh, yes. your radiance was extraordinary. You had a big smile on your face and your color lit up, and I could see you connecting to joy and freedom and the little girl with long hair and bangs and a white ring jacket. And um, I'm feeding the ducks. I used to do that all the time. Yeah. I'm feeding the ducks and reading. And 
I love, I love so much the dream to either be a model or a nun. It's just, there's so rich. There's so much there. That's really, really terrific. I loved having you in the show today. And um, this has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Karen. Can I just say one thing very quickly? Yeah. To all the listeners out there, you know, if you're going through a hard time, make sure that you speak to someone. It's mm. very, very important. Just pick up the phone or go visit someone, but don't stay, don't stay in, you know, or remain or stay in your own suffering. But there are always people willing to help out there or have a listening ear and just know that we love you. Yeah, I love that. You're not alone. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.